You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe who helps people who feel far from God to know Jesus, cultivate freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We're also a diverse tribe who welcomes everyone from bikers to bankers, PhDs to GEDs, every age, race, and walk of life. So whether you're a longtime Christ follower or a spiritual investigator, we hope you're encouraged through our content. Enjoy today's teaching. Good morning, City Tribe Familia. How are you today? All right. Let's get going. All right. Let me make sure my slides are working. All right. Uh, in 1991, Garth Brooks had a song called Unanswered Prayers that shot right to the Billboard number one and stayed there for three weeks. Raise your hand if you know that song, okay? I'm not a country fan myself. I'm more of a punk rock guy, but it's a, it's a very romantic song. And the chorus of it is up here. It says, you know, some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. And I want to talk to you today about the tough subject of what do we do when God doesn't answer our prayer. And so the story behind this song, they interviewed Garth Brooks, and he said that a couple years before he wrote this song, he had moved back to Oklahoma City, and he was with his wife, and they ran into his high school sweetheart. And he said in the interview that he was afraid to admit it at the time, but the first two years he was married, he had secretly uh, wished that he was married to his high school sweetheart, not his wife. And then many years later, they run into the wife, sorry, to the ex-girlfriend, and he was very thankful that God didn't actually give him what he wanted. And that's where the name of it comes from. And so I wanna talk to you about this tough topic. We just came out of 21 21 days of prayer and fasting. And some of you are thinking, I feel like God has not answered this prayer. And so I wanna give you and show you a tool that God has called, what I call the three ifs. And there are three prayers that I think we need to get a hold of and master so that we are prepared for those tough seasons when we feel like God's not answering our prayer. But before we do, I just wanna give husbands some free counseling advice. If your wife ever says, honey, have you ever wished you were married to someone else like Garth Brooks? The answer is immediately, absolutely not, okay? No matter what she says, the answer is no. Do not say what Garth Brooks said. I wish I was married to someone else. So before we do this, let's get into our, the reading of God's word. The story that this is based on is the famous story of the three Hebrew children found in chap, Daniel chapter three, verses 14. So if you will, stand with me while we read the word of God. And this is the story about the three Hebrew children and the fiery furnace. Raise your hand if you've ever heard this story. Okay, for those of you that haven't, you're in for a real treat. This is a really, really awesome story. So follow along with me. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, If you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, We want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude towards them changed. 
He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor a hair, nor was the hair of their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses turned into piles of rubble, for no other god can save in this way. This is the word of the Lord. Bow with me for prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are an awesome God, powerful to rescue us from the blazing furnaces of our life. I ask that you would open our hearts to receive this, marriage, this, this message today. And Holy Spirit, we invite you into this auditorium to minister to us and to encourage us. I thank you for your word and that the words that I speak be yours and not my own. And we pray all these things and ask it in your son Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This is a dramatic story. It's a story of three Hebrew children. Uh, and I don't know why they haven't made it into like a Game of Thrones CGI. I feel like the CGI would be awesome on this. Um, but this story, I wanna draw out these three prayers that I call, I call the three ifs, the ifs of prayer. The first one is a negotiation. The second one is a prayer of surrender. And the third one is a prayer of salvation. And so before we deconstruct them, I wanna dive back into the story and just point out a couple things just for some context for you. So first off, let's start with this dude, Nebuchadnezzar. Who was Nebuchadnezzar other than a guy who had the craziest name in all of the Bible? King Nebuchadnezzar was bad to the bone. And what you need to know first is that he was the king of Babylon, right? Babylon was a famous nation back in the day that was the world power of its time. Bob Marley loved to write about Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar was its king. And what you need to know is a couple books before the book of Daniel, there's the book of Jeremiah. And Jeremiah was a prophet and he had the worst job in the Old Testament. God said, you're gonna preach for decades and no one's gonna listen to you. And can I tell you, I would have declined that job. I would have said, God, get someone else for this job. And so Jeremiah went for decades and told them, the, the children of Israel, God is very unhappy with you. You are serving other gods. You have strayed far from your first love. And if you do not repent, he is going to raise up a king from the north to conquer you. And they looked at Jeremiah and they said, we don't care. We're gonna worship our other gods. So that's what they did. 
So God raised up Nebuchadnezzar and he came down. And in the year 587 BC, King Nebuchadnezzar sacked the city of Jerusalem. And when he sacked it, he took the king, he murdered all of his sons right before him, and then he gouged his eyes out and took him alive back to Babylon. The second thing that he did was he took all of the professional class and all of the skilled workers, and he took them as exiles into Babylon with him. And this was something called subjugation through assimilation. What he was doing was he was saying, I'm gonna take all of these people that serve this other God, and I'm gonna surround them in the culture, and they're gonna dress like us, they're gonna hear our music, right? They're gonna marry our men and women, and they're gonna go and reject their God and, and take our gods on. And friends, I wanna tell you that we're facing that very same problem today. We live in a new Babylon, and the culture that's out there is trying to get us to assimilate to this culture, but this story gives us a great example of how to resist that assimilation. So let's talk about this weird scene. So when we, when we jump into this story, what's happened is, is that Nebuchadnezzar had this huge statue made in the middle of the city. It says here, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, 60 cubits high, six cubits wide, and set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. This was a 90-foot structure made of solid gold. And what he did is he, he made a royal edict and he said, when the music plays, no matter what time and no matter what you're doing, when you hear the music, you have to bow down and worship this image. And so that was the protocol. And so when it happened, the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not do it. And so he is upset. And so he calls them before him and he gives them another chance to do it. Otherwise, he's gonna throw them into a, a furnace. But before we get to that, let's ask this question. Who are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? These are my heroes. These dudes were awesome. And I'll tell you, the scholars believe that they were between the ages of 11 and 13 years old. These were young men. And I just think it's so remarkable what they accomplished being that young. But let's take it a, take it a step further. What we know about them also is that in the very beginning of the book of Daniel, they are given new Babylonian names. They were born with Hebrew names, and these names that you read right here are their Babylonian names. So these are 11-year-old boys. They're taken from their country as exiled. They're given new names, and they're put into a different culture. And that culture is saying, don't worship your God, worship the golden image. But these guys would not do it. I'm just, I look up to them so much. It's so awesome. And I think one of the things that we need to know is that you need to be in community, right? Imagine the pressure that these guys had. One of the things we know about it is that they were part of the king's royal bureaucracy. They were employed by the king. And so you're 11, you have a new name, you're in a new culture. The pressure must have been crazy for them to just conform, but they wouldn't do it. And I wanna tell you that there is pressure on us to conform and you need to be in community. These are three friends that resisted. The Bible says that a cord of three is not easily broken. This is one of the reasons that we push our tribe groups so heavily here, is that you need to be in community, just like these three were a tribe, and they were able to resist the pressure of the culture because they were in community. So Nebuchadnezzar calls them up and he says, I'm gonna give you one last shot. You can bow for the statue, and they say, we won't do it. Can you imagine these guys? It's incredible the courage that it takes. And so Nebuchadnezzar is so furious 
that he orders them to turn the fire up seven times hotter. It says that the fire was so hot that the guards that threw them in died instantly. That's how hot it was. And then the miracle, miraculously, he's staring at it, thinking they're dead. They threw in three people, and then he sees a fourth person. And he says, look, there's a fourth person, and it looks like the son of the gods. And this is the incarnate, the angel of the Lord. And they're miraculously saved. It's incredible. He calls them out and he goes from, I'm gonna kill you to your God's so awesome that anybody that talks trash about it, I'll kill them and we'll chop them into pieces. And I'm like, this guy really wants to kill some people, okay? <laughs> He's very, very murderous. And so let's get to the first if. The first if, this is my shortest point of the, of the sermon. Uh, the first if is a prayer of negotiation. There's so many times that we wanna negotiate with God for the thing that we want. And it looks like this. God, I'll follow you if, I'll obey you if, I'll believe in you and worship you if. Imagine if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had said, God, we'll believe in you if you save us. But that's not what they said. This is a very, very hard prayer to pray. Some of us might say, God, I'll believe in you if you give me that promotion at work that I want, if you give me that job title I want. Or maybe like Garth Brooks, you say, God, I'll believe in you if you give me that partner that I want, that boyfriend or girlfriend that I want. But I'm telling you right now, God is not a God who negotiates us for what we want. And I wanna tell you that whatever is on the other side of that if is your real God. That is the real God that you serve. If you have a condition on God, that is the 90 foot tall golden statue in your heart that is drawing you away. If you negotiate with him, God wants your unconditional love. Let's go to the second if. The second if is a prayer of surrender. And this is the core of this prayer in this story that these three Hebrew children pray. And so I wanna go check back into it right now. In verse 17, it says, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But here it comes, here's the line. But even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty, that we will not serve your gods, or worship the image of gold you have set up. This is remarkable. But even if he does not, I want you to repeat that with me. But even if he does not, this is the prayer that we have to bury deep in our hearts when we go to petition God for things. And so I wanna break down this prayer they have. This prayer is so packed full of goodies that I wanna break it down for you. And I call them the four Ps of this prayer. The first one is power. They say, Nebuchadnezzar, our God can save us. He has power. He has the power to save us. Then in the next verse, they say, he will save us and deliver us from your hand. He has promised to save us. And then the third P, possibility. They acknowledge the possibility that God might say no to them. And they say, but even if he doesn't, we still won't bow. The last P is praise. They praised God by obeying his word. They would not worship another God. They said, even if he doesn't save us, we still won't compromise. We'll still serve him. We'll still worship him. We'll still love him. This is so remarkable coming from these three young men in the face of the greatest king of the world of that day. So I wanna break down the four Ps a little bit further. Uh, one of the names of God, God has many names in the Bible, and one of them is El Shaddai. And El Shaddai translates to 
God Almighty. The second one is God, the mountain one. When I was reading this, I was like, this is such a cool name. Can you imagine me your nickname was the mountain one? If the Dallas Cowboys had a player called the mountain one, I guarantee you we'd be in the Super Bowl every year. And some of you are saying, Lorenzo, that's the prayer that God hasn't answered for me is the Cowboys. That's the prayer. I've been praying that he throw Jerry Jones into the fiery furnace and he won't do it. I'm just kidding. We love you, Jerry Jones. We're praying for you and the Cowboys. How long can we wait, Lord? <laughs> El Shaddai, the God who has power. Go with me to Psalm 91. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, whom I trust. The God that we serve has power. In Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it was the first thing they said. Our God has power. He can save us. Let's go to the next P the promises of God. One of the reasons that you need to read the Bible, and there's many, is that the Bible is full of promises. Scholars estimate that there's a minimum of 2,000 promises scattered through all the scriptures, but you don't know and you can't claim them unless you read them. And there's a great book that I read about this called Unshakable Hope by Max Licato. And in the book, he takes a handful of these promises and he writes a whole book about them. It's a really, really awesome book. And I wanna tell you a story from it. You know, I was reading this book uh, a couple years ago, and my mom called me to tell me that one of my tias in Laredo had just passed away. And it really, really, really bummed me out. Um, I knew that she was sick, and I knew that she was dying. And I also knew that she had accepted Jesus Christ into her heart. But she's awesome. And it really, really hurt to hear this news. And I sat down, I was reading this book at the time, this Max Licato book, and I opened it up, and this was the chapter I was on, chapter 10, this temporary tomb. And I flipped the page, and if you can't read it, it says, God's promise, and it's 1 Corinthians 15, 54, and it says, death has been swallowed up in victory. I was there, I was so sad, and God said, let me remind you about the promises I have for you. Death has been swallowed up in victory, amen. Let's go to the next P. This is the toughest one. Are you prepared for God to say no to your prayer? In the story, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are prepared. They say, we think he's gonna save us. We know he has the power to save us. But even if he doesn't, we still won't bow. And friends, you need to know that we need to acknowledge the possibility. But I wanna pause here because there's someone here that has been hurt by a Christian or a religious person because you were praying for something and this person may have told you, you know, the reason God didn't answer your prayer is because you didn't have enough faith. And I wanna tell you, that's absolutely wrong. And I'm about to show you several examples of people, the titans of faith, and God told them no. And I assure you, they had more faith than most people have in their whole body. Let's go, let's dive in. The first one is the Apostle Paul, St. Paul, okay, has something called the thorn in his flesh. So go with me to 2 Corinthians 12, seven through nine. Therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest in me. The apostle Paul had something he called the thorn in his flesh. 
Nobody knows what it is. Scholars have debated it. Some people think it was an actual illness. Some people think it was an addiction that he struggled with. We don't know, but here's what we do know. We know that three times he prayed to God, please, please take this thing away. And as you see in this verse, God lovingly, gently tells him, no, my grace is sufficient for you. And in your weakness, I am made strong, right? And some of you need to hear that. In your weakness, he is made strong. Let me give you one more example. In the book of Hebrews chapter 11, there's a famous passage called the Heroes of Faith chapter. And in this chapter, they're going through and they're listing all the accomplishments from all the heavy hitters of the Old Testament, from Abraham to Jonah to King David, all of them. And just like Paul, God answered a ton of their prayers. He did miraculously, miraculous signs and wonders. But then we get down to verse 39, which says, these were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. God said yes to a lot of them, including Paul, but he also said no to them. And so friends, if there's someone here and you've prayed a prayer and God has told you no, you're in good company. You're in the same company as the heroes of faith. Do not be discouraged. Let's get to the last P. The last P is praise. In the story of the Hebrew children, they praise God by not obeying. You know, in the Ten Commandments, it says, you'll have no other gods before me. Their praise was being obedient. We will not break that commandment. We will worship no other gods. And I want to tell you a story about King David. You know, King David had a very dark chapter in his life. There was a season where he committed adultery with a woman named Bathsheba. And after he committed adultery with her, she got pregnant. She had a baby. And then the baby fell ill and was dying. And King David got on his knees and he begged God to spare the life of this baby. It said he didn't eat for seven days. And at the end of this time, the baby died. And God did not answer his prayer. And King David does something so remarkable that it's hard for me to read. Because when I read it, I don't know if I could do what he did. Go with me to 2 Samuel 12. Then David got up from the ground after he had washed, put on lotions, and changed his clothes. He went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. I don't know how he mustered the strength to go into the house of the Lord and worship when his newborn baby just died. You know, there's a beautiful chapter in Psalms, Psalm 51. It's one of the most beautiful pieces of poetry you'll ever read. And it's King David wrote it about that whole saga. He writes about his sin. He's pouring his heart out. And then you get to the middle in verse 15. And he says, Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. He points us to the praise that we have to have in the midst of our struggles. That's what we need, the praise. So let's check back into our story. You've got the three Hebrew children. King Nebuchadnezzar has called them before. He said, I'm going to kill you if you don't submit. They said, we're not going to do it. They get thrown in the fire and they're miraculously saved. What happens in the middle? What happens in the middle is bad news. Let me just give you a spoiler alert. The bad news, here we go, for dramatic effect. What happens in the middle is that the fire's turned up seven times hotter. Some of you are in the middle of your prayer, you're in the middle of your struggle, and you're saying, Lorenzo, it's not getting better. I feel like it's getting worse. 
And I want you to know that when the miracle comes right before the miracle, the heat gets turned up seven times hotter. But let me tell you something. I want to encourage you. Because in the Bible, fire is always symbolic of purification. If the heat is getting turned up on you, I need you to know that God is purifying you. I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell him, I'm about to be purified. I'm being purified. Go with me to Proverbs 17.3. It says, the crucible for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the heart. For those of you that don't know, the way that gold was purified in ancient times is they would take gold and they would put it in a cup like this and they would put it in a furnace and they would crank up the heat. And as it got hotter, all of the gold would melt and all of the impurities would bubble to the top and it was called dross and they would scoop it up and what was left was pure gold. And some of you need to hear that God is cranking the heat on you and he's bubbling up all the imperfections so he can scoop them up so that you can be pure gold. I want you to tell your neighbor, I'm about to be pure gold. So, is there anyone like me that feels like sometimes you're in the furnace? Anybody feel like you're in the furnace? I want to encourage you with some good news. In the story, it says, he said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like the son of the gods. I want you to know that whether God miraculously saves you like he did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or if he tells you no, the promise that God has is that he will be with you in the fire. He will be with you in the furnace. That is his promise. Do you know it? Do you feel it? Amen. Let's get to the third if. The third if is a prayer of salvation. Go with me to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. It says, going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Can I tell you the story of one more person who God said no to? It was Jesus Christ. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he prays, God, please let this cup... He knows he's about to get arrested. He's about to get tortured. He's about to get crucified. And he says, Lord, let the cup pass. What is this cup? In the Old Testament and throughout the Bible, the cup is referred to as the cup of wrath. It is often used figuratively for something that cannot be refused, especially something unpleasant like God's judgment, wrath, and afflictions. And Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he says, Lord, Father, Please let this thing pass. Please don't make me go through what I'm about to go through. But nevertheless, not my will. Your will be done. And he prays this prayer to God, and God lovingly tells his only begotten son, I will not let the cup pass. And God said no to Jesus so that he could say yes to yours and my salvation. He said no so that we could be saved and redeemed by the cross. And that is good news, my friends. Amen. You can clap for that. Absolutely. I want to I tell you a closing story about the first time I experienced 
a prayer that God didn't answer. Um, I grew up in a church near off uh, West Avenue in Fresno, and in that church, there was a deacon there who I absolutely adored. He was this awesome guy. He was so full of love, and what I loved is that he would always share his testimony. His testimony, he was a rough dude. You could tell he used to brawl and he used to fight anyone in his young days. And you could tell he was good. But God got a hold of his heart and completely transformed his life. And this guy just radiated love. And then one day, he had cancer. And he got cancer and he was in the hospital. And I told myself, I said, there's no way God's gonna let this guy die. There's no way. This guy loves him. He worships him. He serves him. This guy is the man. And then my parents took me to the hospital to visit him. Now, I'll never forget it. There's two things that are burned into my brain forever to this day. The first was I'll never forget how sick he looked. I'll never forget he lost like half his weight. He had, he had lost so much that his, his cheekbones were sticking out. I'll never forget it. And then the second thing I'll never forget was how much love was radiating from this guy's body and from his eyes. His eyes had so much joy. And even though he was frail and weak and wasting away, he hugged me and he was so uplifted. And I just thought, oh, there's no way. There's no way God's gonna let this guy die. But God did not answer that prayer and he passed away. And I remember thinking to myself, how could a guy that was dying like that have so much love in his heart? And it's because he had mastered the three ifs of prayer. There's no doubt that he prayed, God, I know you have the power to save me and cure this cancer, and I want you to, and I think you will. But even if you don't, but even if you don't, I will radiate the love of Jesus Christ to everyone that walks into this hospital room. And that's exactly what he did, and that's exactly what we need to do, even if you don't. Friends, there's a lot of us that came out of 21 days of prayer, and some of you have been praying for the one thing. What's the one thing that you've been praying for that you feel like God has been making you wait, that God has told you no? And we're gonna lift that one thing up here in a moment, but I want you to bring it to your mind. And before we go into the prayer, I wanna leave you with this thought that he is with you in the fire. Go with me to Isaiah 43. It says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Friends, you need to know that he will be with you no matter what furnace you're in, no matter how hot it is. Let's bow as we go to prayer. Lord, I thank you for this message. I thank you that you love us. And I thank you that you're the God who has all power in heaven and earth and that you are El Shaddai, God Almighty. Lord, there's someone here that you brought who wants to start a relationship with you for the very first time. And if that's you, just pray this prayer along with me. You can pray it in your mind. You can whisper it. Pray it out loud if you want, but pray this prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Lord God in heaven, I know that I'm a sinner and I know that I've missed the mark. But the best I know how today, I acknowledge that your son, Jesus Christ, came to earth. He lived a perfect life. And then he was crucified for my sins and he died on the cross. But three days later, he rose from the dead. And now he sits at the right hand of God the Father. 
And I ask you, Jesus, to now come into my heart and be my Lord and master. I will not submit and I will not bow to any other statues, but you are the God that I serve. Come into my heart and be the ruler and master of my life. I thank you, Lord, for anybody that's prayed that prayer. And Lord, for everybody else, we're thinking about that one thing that we've been praying for for so long and we feel like we haven't heard and we feel like the answer is no. And we're gonna lift that thing up right now and we're gonna follow the example of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Oh Lord, I know you have the power to answer this prayer. You are God Almighty. And I know that you want to answer this prayer and that you're going to answer this prayer, Lord. I think that the prayer that I'm praying is in alignment with the word of God. But even if not, but even if you tell me no, even if you tell me wait, I love you and I will still worship you and I will still believe in you and I will still serve you for you or El Shaddai, God Almighty. And I thank you for hearing this prayer. I thank you that no matter what the answer is, yes, no, or wait, that you are in the fiery furnace with me, that you have not abandoned me and that you will show up every single time. I thank you, Lord, that you have answered these prayers and that you have heard these prayers that we lay down at the foot of the cross. And we thank you for all of these things in the only, we pray them in the only name that has power in heaven and earth. And that is the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. As we close this down, I want to encourage you. We're going to have our prayer leaders at the front. If there's somebody here and you need a little bit more prayer for that thing you've been struggling with, I want you to come down and get prayer. And as we close, stand with me. As we close out in prayer, join hands on the person to your right and left. You don't have to, but if you feel so compelled. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus I thank you that you're the God that has all power in heaven and earth. And I thank you that you are with us right now and that you will be with us no matter what happens and no matter what fire we step into. Go with us now as we leave this building and let us shine the light of Jesus Christ to every soul that we encounter. Bless everybody here and encourage them in the powerful name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Thank you and enjoy the rest of your day. We're glad you were a part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check the City Tribe YouTube channel, iTunes, SoundCloud, Instagram, Facebook, or our website, citytribe.church. May you go from this podcast knowing that you are loved.